opportunity to gather around your word. I thank you that the entrance of your word will bring light. It will bring life to us. We are open to you. We are looking to you. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. We're asking that you speak to us, that you reveal yourself to us, that you do in us that which only you can do. We are looking to you this morning. We're looking to hear from you, to be transformed by what you have to say. And Lord, I just pray that you breathe over every word that I speak. Cause these words to come alive, that they will accomplish the very thing that we sent them, that you are sending them to us for. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone in the comments section said, Amen and Amen. The book of Luke chapter 14, the book of Luke chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke 14 verse 25, Luke 14 verse 25, Luke chapter 14 verse 25. We have been camping here and I'm going to continue from, um, from here today. It says in verse 25 that a large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and said, said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, he says, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even your own life. Otherwise, he says, you cannot be my disciple. And he says, and if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, Again, he says, you cannot be my disciple. We have been looking at the need for commitment. We've been looking for the, at the need for commitment. And in the last few weeks, I've been standing on your toes and um, challenging where you are, trying to really provoke you to greater and better. I have purposefully come quite strong um, on this. Uh, you know, I was, I, was listening, I was reading something, and they were saying about a song, about how human beings, by default, if they keep hearing something in the same way, they just almost don't listen. For instance, when you are, um, when you are listening to a song, once you've heard a song, it is said, once you've heard a song up to 30 times, what happens is that you stop listening to the words, even though you now know the words and you are singing along. And so in many ways, the power of the song can be lost um, just because you are, you are very familiar to it. So one of my greatest prayers is that God will always give me a fresh way to make sure that when the word of God comes, it provokes you, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go over your head, but it really reaches and, and has the impact that God intends for it to have. And so, in many ways, I've been standing on your toes and provoking you into greater and better. And there is a reason why. And today, I want to talk about the power of commitment, especially being committed to Jesus Christ as a disciple. Now, these rules and these principles that I'm um, looking at today really apply for every aspect of our lives. But even though I am directly relating this to our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that this is the same principle for success 
in every other area of life. If there is any area of your life that you are looking to become better and greater at, you cannot ignore the small matter of commitment, the quality of your commitment, the level of your commitment, the type of commitment that you have in that area. And so, uh, and so as we talk about Jesus Christ and we talk about our commitment to Jesus Christ, I believe that that is the foundation really for every single one of us. But in reality, we are looking at wider, we're looking at every aspect of our lives. Uh, and so there is a huge difference between um, uh, uh, the be, being, for instance, in Scripture, being the woman with the issue of blood. There is a huge difference between being blind Bartimaeus, all of whom had an encounter, a transforming encounter with Jesus, but then there is something about being a disciple, uh, uh, being a Peter, being a John, or even the Apostle Paul, and I believe that the difference between being somebody like Bartimaeus, who receives a miracle, who we have a record of him receiving a miracle, and Peter and John, who there are more accounts of them dispensing miracles than receiving, I believe is, is commitment. We don't hear so much about the people who were in the crowds that were following Jesus, apart from the miracles that they received. We don't know the name of blind Bartimaeus. That was not his name. He was only called the son of Timaeus. We don't know his name. We don't know the name of the woman with the issue of blood, the woman at the well. We don't even know her name. A lot of the people who received from Jesus Christ, as much as it is important to receive, and we'll talk about that as we go along, we don't know their names, but Scripture, the Holy Ghost, inspires people to make sure that, all, that we, we know the names of the disciples. We know the names of those who commit to the, commit beyond receiving stuff from God, but commit to being those who participate in dispensing the 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 miracle power of God around the world in bringing heaven here on earth. Could it be that whilst it is true that we often find ourselves in places where we need healing, like Bartimaeus, or where we need um, uh, the issue, uh, uh, you know, like the woman with the issue of blood, we are, we, we will find our play, ourselves in places where we need, uh, you know, restoration or provision. We need all those things and we must never put down the need for those things. But could it be that God wants us remembered more, not just as those who receive the miracles, who receive these things, could it be that he wants us remembered as disciples, and I guess this is where I'm really trying to call us up higher. It is not sometimes what we do when we're looking to step up to something new is we often start to de denigrate, you know, where we are. And I don't think that's the goal. God wants us to be in the place like Bartimaeus or we are to be in, in the scripture like the woman with the issue of blood. He doesn't mind that that's the will of God for us. But I do believe that there is another level and that level is calling, calling us away from this place where we are not just known as those who receive, but those who dispense. Are you with me this morning? And so the will of God, I believe that God wants your life. He wants my life to be um, like the life of the disciples. 
I believe that that is the goal, that he, he wants to call us out of the crowd. Could it be that your Heavenly Father, whilst he has no issues with you receiving from him and drawing what he has promised from, from in the Scripture, um, uh, unapologetically, could it be that, that, that he wants you remembered more um, for your commitment to him than your commitment to what you can get from him? Okay, there is a huge difference. Here is what I am trying to say. Um, here is what I'm trying to say. I believe that our calling goes way beyond what we can receive from our Lord. Okay, our calling goes beyond what he can provide for us. Our calling goes, our calling is deeper. Our calling is to a person and the person who is Jesus is more precious than anything he can ever give you. I don't know if you heard me. Our calling is more precious to anything that you can ever receive from God. And so we're just looking to have a little bit of a shift in our mindset where we're saying that there is a higher calling. I am saying that whilst we must never apologize for asking from God or apologize for receiving from God or apologize for, um, you know, knocking on that door. We saw on, 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 on Tuesday how it is, it is the case that God's expectation is that we ask boldly for whatever it is that we need because he is our peace, he is our provision, he is our everything. So we're not putting that down. I'm only calling us away from the place where our praise is in relation to the blessing that will come down. I'm only calling us away from the place where our giving is only in relation to our receiving. There is another realm of impact that God is calling us to, which is this place where we are committed to a person and that's, and his name is Jesus Christ. Okay? Where we are absolutely committed to a man who died for us, who gave his life for us. This is the area that I am challenging as we look at this. Luke chapter 14 verse 33 then goes on. Are you listening to me today? If this is helping you, um, just say something in the comment section. Luke chapter 14 verse 13, he goes the same Luke 14, 30, uh, 33, sorry. Luke 14, 33, he says, So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Okay, this is strong meat. He says, it is not possible for you to become a disciple. It is not possible for you to become the, the way that you transform from being just a, a blind Bartimaeus or a woman with the issue of blood or somebody who just receives into becoming an Apostle Paul or an Apostle Peter who shadows heal people who literally bring the kingdom of God on earth. He says, Jesus says, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything that you own. Now, he's not suggesting that you don't need to own anything or you don't need to love anyone as we saw in verse 25 of the same Luke 14. What he's suggesting is that there is something in you and something in me that sees him as worth more than anything that is rightly valuable in your life. There, he is suggesting that, that there is a paradigm shift in you and in me and in the way that we think 
a strong shift, a profound shift that means that even though I have children that I love so much, I recognize that there is more value in my devotion to Jesus Christ than there is in my devotion to my children. In fact, as we go along and we look at this, we will find that the quality of my devotion to my children, the quality of my devotion to my career, the quality of my devotion to the call of God upon my life is directly related to the quality of my devotion to Jesus Christ. If I improve my devotion, my commitment, if I can refocus and make him the center, it will affect everything else. And so Jesus says it is impossible for you to have that kind of impact, the kind of impact that I'm calling you to having, without, um, without giving up everything you own. Now, if, you, if we ask anybody, you know, how much, how much is Jesus worth to you? The correct answer is everything, you know? We, we, we will sing songs about it. We will write, write books about it. We will gladly declare that he is worth everything. And that is the correct answer. If you answered like that, you will pass the exam, okay? So congratulations. But the real worth, the real definition, the real way that, a, that, that commitment or value is measured is really what you are willing to give up for what you say you value. And so there is a correct answer which allows you to pass the test, but what I'm working on is... Is, is the reality of my life and the reality of your life. That's what I want us to ask. Sometimes when we're hearing the word of God, we often just hear in terms of the right answer and agree in terms of, okay, I accept that that is what you're saying is valuable, but I'm looking to push us to this place where we are not just accepting mentally that Jesus is worth everything, but that we in our own lives, we are examining the way that we are living, the decisions that we are making. We are consciously looking to elevate him in every aspect of our lives. Studies in social sciences on commitment show that the way that commitment is measured is the value that you place on the thing or the one you say you are committed to. And the way value is measured is really what you are willing to give up for that thing. If you are with me, sir, say amen. And so, and so Jesus loved us so much. We see it even in the way that Jesus demonstrates this. The scripture says in that famous John 3, 16, that he loved, he loved the world so much. For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son. God did not sit in heaven writing books about how much he loved us, even though he did. He did, not, he did not just stay writing songs or wearing John 3.16 t-shirts. The scripture actually says God became man. He demonstrated that love by giving up everything that he is in order to reach us. Now, I'm not for one second suggesting that you and I are capable of loving God like he loves us or being committed to him like we, like he is committed to us. But what I am suggesting is that there ought to be something on the inside of this. There ought to be, there ought to be a posture of our hearts that says that to the best of my revelation of who he is, to the best of my understanding of who this Jesus is, 
I will willingly surrender. I understand that my calling is to give myself completely to him. I don't expect my two-year-old and my six-year-old children to be committed to me like I am committed to them. But what I do expect, especially at this age, but, but what I do expect is as they get older, they will really see the value that I have in their life. They will see that, that my voice is worth paying attention much more than any of their friends which they value or that what I say should carry a little bit more weight than what they even think. Are you listening to me? It is the same thing with our Lord Jesus Christ. He is not looking to get you to love him like he loves you because that is not possible. You are just, you and I are incapable of doing that. But what he is asking is that you at least with the revelation that you have of him understand that, that his calling is not a calling to remain as children or to have a platonic relationship with him. He is calling to an, a complete abandonment of who you are to who he is. Are you following me today? It is a call to crowning him as Lord. It is a call to to, to make a decision that after having seen the goodness of God, after having experienced his, his, his kindness, like we said last week, just like all the other disciples, all of the apostles, or most of the apostles who write letters in the New Testament, James, John, Peter, these men, they would often refer to themselves as bond servants of Jesus. In other words, they have experienced the goodness of God so much, they recognize, they value the goodness of God so much that what they are saying, a bond servant is somebody whom the master sets free and says, go. But the bond servant says, you know what, master, you have been so good to me in view of your goodness to me, in view of your kindness to me. I say, pierce my ear so that I will, anyone who sees me will know that I am a slave, I am your slave, but I am not a slave who has been conquered, who has been taken by force. I am a slave who willingly laid down his life because the master has been good to me. This is our calling, people of God. This is where I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to examine the goodness of God in your life. I'm calling you to examine the way he has preserved you and kept you in this season. I'm calling you to, re to examine the way that he has written your name in the Lamb's book of life. The way that he has kept your mind. The way that he has kept you from falling. He has preserved you. And I'm calling you to to consider responding, Lord, will you pierce my ear? I am completely yours and I want the world to know that my submission to Jesus Christ is not a forced submission. It is a submission that I yield to him like a bond servant because he has been so good to me. Amen? Has God been good to anyone in the comment section? Come on, just say something is, if God has been good to you. If God has been good to you, then I believe that our, the appropriate response is this life of surrender. Romans 12 talks about this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 urges us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. As living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him. This means... The, 
that this means that, that, that in response to all that he has done, in response to our, our, our revelation of who he is, it is our reasonable service to offer up our lives to him. Ladies and gentlemen, throughout the history of the church, this is the thing that distinguished the church. This is the thing that devotion to Jesus Christ is the thing. I think it is the great, the great Alexander who, who one time he's examining, you know, he's examining um, Christians and he says about these Christians, this Jesus, he has no army. He has no earthly territory. He has never used force. I'm paraphrasing now. He has never used force in any territory, but his people are so devoted to him that they are willing to lay down their lives. I wonder if there were there are any believers in 2020. I wonder if there are any believers in 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 Radiant City Church and this is why I'm teaching this message because I'm believing that there will be people amongst us who have made a decision and and we are saying Jesus, we truly you truly are our life, you are our defense in you I live, I move and have my being. I want my identity to be about my devotion to you more than it is about any other thing. Okay? God is calling us to a deep place and, and this place is available to every single one of us. As always, in everything he calls us to, it is always by faith in his grace. And all God is looking for us to make is a decision. Are you listening to me? And so let's talk about the power of commitment. The power of commitment. Last week we looked at some of, some of these things, but I'm going to talk about three key things and maybe what you can do in your own study is identify what, what, what are the effects of being committed. Primarily when I'm talking about Jesus Christ, but I want you to think about in your career, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, with your parents, what happens if I strengthen my commitment? What, what will happen in my life? What kind of ability will be released in my life? And this is what I want you to consider as we travel through life. And so we're talking about the power of, of commitment. Power is the ability to get results. Okay? So I'm talking about results in your spiritual life that produces in your physical life. The committed life generates power to produce results. Commitment is not a religious thing. When we talk about being committed to Jesus Christ, when Jesus is talking about yielding and giving up everything in order to follow him, when he's talking about carrying your cross and following him, when he's talking about loving him more than you love your spouse or your parents or your children, it is not a religious thing. It is there is tremendous power that comes when we are committed to Jesus Christ. And I hope that as we examine these things, you will, you, you will see how this impacts you spiritually, physically, relationally, socially, even mentally. And I want us to explore just three of these today. And, I, and I'm asking you, you know, as you, as you hear this, will you think about a few more? A few more areas. What do you think will happen if, if the quality of your commitment is improved. Are you with me this morning? We're still in the book of Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Hallelujah. 
The first, the first thing that the power, the, 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 the first thing that, that um, commitment, the first kind of power that, that I'm saying commitment generates is influence. Help me type in the comment section, influence. Influence. You see, real influence can only come through commitment. I'll say it again. Real influence can only come through commitment commitment of one form or the other. One word that describes the, the agenda of the kingdom of God on the earth is this word, influence. The agenda of the kingdom of God is to influence the earth with the agenda of heaven. As it is in heaven, Jesus says, so let it be here on earth. In Matthew 13, 33, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as yeast that a woman kneads and puts into dough and the yeast influences the dough and goes and, and increases the dough, okay? And, and so I believe that everyone who is called to the kingdom, this is the agenda of the kingdom. The agenda of the kingdom is to influence the earth. And I believe that everyone who is born into the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ is also called to this life of influence. There is no one, I refuse to believe, it does, scripture does not teach us that, that we are not called to influence. Every single one is called to, to influence in one shape or the other. You, that's why I believe that every believer is a leader. Because the primary job of a, of a leader is influence. The primary agenda of the kingdom is influence. And, one of, uh, 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 and, 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 and this, is, this is the job. This is what, what God is looking to produce in our life. We are not created. We are not saved just to avoid hell. We are not saved just to avoid, you know, um, damnation. We are saved from all of that so that we can be a source of kingdom influence. Will you declare by faith in the comment section, I'm a source of kingdom influence. Okay? Make a decision. Come on, those in here, you can feel free to say as well. Uh, Brooke is trying to, 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 I might as well enjoy the amen. I, I, it, it just occurred to me that I can actually enjoy amens. Okay? So don't hold back. <laughs> I was about to say, touch your neighbor. You know, number of times, <laughs> number of times I'm preaching at home and I'm saying, touch your neighbor is just strange. But anyway, <laughs> you are a source of kingdom influence. This is the will of God for you, that you are a source of kingdom influence. You are not saved just so that you can run from demons all your life and talk about how demons are not going to touch you or talk about how you escape. No, the will of God is that your life will, you will bring heaven down on earth, a source of kingdom influence. Okay, and so look, and so here in Luke 14, where Jesus, remember, right from about verse 25 of Luke 14, Jesus is talking about discipleship. He is talking about this level of commitment that we have been dealing with. And, and, and so that, that is still the subject of his conversation here. So he says in verse 33, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. 
I'm reading from a New Living Translation. It says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, remember, like I said earlier, the context of this conversation right from verse 25 is a greater level of commitment to Jesus Christ as a disciple. And so Jesus finishes this whole discourse where he is challenging them to count the cost and actually begin to walk with him in a fresh way. He finishes this discourse by talking, by likening his disciples to salt. You know, he likens you and I who he's calling closer to him as salt. Now, just so you understand, salt is, it was important then, and we, we still probably use it in, se in several ways right now, but salt is important. Salt was important for, uh, for in the East then where Jesus lived because as you and I do, it flavors food. In, okay, it, it, it adds something, just a little bit of salt, and suddenly everything tastes better. It also retards decay. In other words, when you put salt in certain things, it slows down or even stops the process of it decaying. So salt was used to preserve meat or preserve things from actually going, going bad. And also, in small doses, salt was also used to fertilize the land. Salt was used to fertilize the land. And so this is what we are called to be. You should never apologize. And this is why I don't mind going as strong as I was going on this. Because really what Jesus is trying to raise up is people who are like salt. A committed disciple is like salt. We, we enhance every environment that we go into. People are glum in an environment. Things are, people are without hope. But when a disciple of Jesus Christ shows up, they enhance the environment. When an apostle is on the boat and the ship is about to, 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 to be destroyed, the apostle Paul says in, in the book of Acts, he says to them, hey, ladies and gentlemen, pay attention to me because I am here. I'm paraphrasing now because I am here. The angel of the Lord appeared to me and he declared that nobody will lose their lives here. This is what, our, this is what disciples do. Disciples bring hope Disciples flavor the environment. Disciples increase peace in an environment. We just cause everything to be better. We are not those people. If you are accurately a disciple, yielded to Jesus Christ, you don't show up to a place and people start to avoid you, unless, of course, they are Satan. But, 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 but people are not. <laughs> but you don't show up to a place. I, was, uh, uh, I saw a joke some time ago. Someone said, Someone said, before you get married, you better take her to a, a night vigil to see if she's going to turn into a lizard. Vi vice versa as well. You know, take him to a night vigil to see what they become under the anointing. Because um, that, that's what you went, you know, two things they recommend that you do in this age. Go swimming with them, first of all. And man and woman, by the way, because these days, the things that they can provide for her. Amen. I don't know whether social media recognize that, that Cheeto Gideon is bald. So every now and again, there will be adverts that come up for what you can do for your hair. It's, just, it's almost rude, but I find it funny. <laughs> so before you start to like the fade and like the lineup, let's go swimming for a second. What do they say? Do they only ever swim with their head above the water? We need to ask questions. Okay, so the, the other thing, I'm sorry, I don't know how we got there. But, 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 but what we're trying to say is, is that the will of God for us 
is that we are like salt. We, are the, we, we bring influence in our world. And it is this level, the, 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 the believer, uh, yeah, I was trying to say that the believer is not one who shows up in an environment and everyone wants to run away. We are those who people, you know, the number of times that people will just ask, you know, are you a Christian? Or, or there is something about you. You are just so peaceful. You are just, that's what we do. We bring salt. We influence. We, we, we cause depression to leave people just by your presence. We just enhance the environment and make it more hopeful. And in the die, in the most dark, in the darkest situations, we are like salt. And that is what being a committed believer does. The committed believers. Uh, you know, enhances environments. It may, we make things better, like just like salt. We, we stop decay in its tracks, okay? We stop decay, relationship going bad. We can draw from God and receive the wisdom of God that stops that relationship from decaying and, and breaking down. That's not, you know, that's what God has anointed us to do. That's what we are called, but he is likening those people who are able to have that kind of influence to disciples. People around us become fertile. You know, salt is also, I mentioned that salt was also used to to, to enhance, to make, make the soil a little bit more f fertile. I only found out that, found, found that one out this week. But, but isn't that amazing that, that, that when, when, when a true disciple is hanging around other people, you bring out the best, best in them. You kind of make them more fruitful. You equip them. You, you just enhance them and make things better. And so Jesus was saying that the thing that makes you disciple, if we look in the context of what he's saying, the thing that makes you salty Okay, not salty like the world says, you know, when, when, when someone is salty, that, anyway, leave that alone. But you know what I mean? You know, so salty, the thing that makes, makes you like salt, you know, salty, for those who are asking, so, <laughs> you know, when I start these things, I can't go back. Salty is when somebody is just a bit bitter. It's just a bit, you say they're salty when they're just a bit um, vengeful, just kind of, kind of, or upset about something, you just feel a bit salty. You know when they throw a sarcastic response at you, say, oh, you're a bit salty. Well, thank you. You just learned something today. So look at this. But, so that's not the kind of salty I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Bible kind of salt, like Jesus is talking about. He's saying in the context, in the context of Luke 14, from verse 25 to the end, he's speaking about a disciple, and a disciple is one who is committed, and he takes this level of commitment to him to become salt. It is your dedication to Jesus Christ that makes you salty and makes you able to influence the world around around you. Are you listening to me? In other words, Jesus, Jesus is saying that our ability to influence, to be a kingdom influence in our world is directly related to our commitment to him as a disciple. There is no real influence without commitment. There is no real influence without commitment. You can't influence a person until, until they believe you are committed to them. Okay? You can't even influence an industry until you are committed to that industry. If you want to increase your influence, and we are all born and called for influence. 
and therefore our level of commitment is necessary that we review. I believe you were born for influence. Anybody believe that? I believe that this world awaits what God has placed on the inside of you. I don't believe that you were just here to receive miracles from God. I believe that God has gave you and gives you miracles so that you can, you can posture yourself to be committed to him and begin to influence your world, regardless of what you have gone through, as you reaffirm your commitment to Jesus Christ, uh, as you make him your priority and your focus again and again, it's not a one-time thing, it is a continual thing because there, are, there is so much that is vying for our attention. But if we value him, then we begin to make him the source of our, um, you know, our, our source. And I believe as you do this, your influence is increasing. If you are hearing this message, it is because the Lord is about to increase your sphere of influence. If you are listening to me, please know God never brings a word just for, uh, for, for the reasons of just being academic. He literally is looking to increase your influence. Don't forget that this is your year of grace for the new. God is bringing you into new realms of influence. He is increasing your influence in your family. He is increasing your influence in your work. In, in your work. The Lord has seen for some of you let me prophesy over you. He has, he has seen your frustrations about certain things in certain industries. He has seen your frustrations about the limitations, the ability, how limited you have been in, in being able to change certain things in your family or change certain things that are happening around you. And the Lord is calling you to this place of commitment because he is looking to use you to be the influence to change those things. I believe that if you saw the gap in the market, if you saw the issue in society, some of you are angry because of the racism conversation that is happening around us and the, the injustices that are becoming so apparent around us. I want to challenge you this morning to change your mind and understand that the reason God is, is, is allowing you to, to see these things and experience these things is because he is looking to increase your influence. That frustration is not wasted with your God. He is going to turn it around and use it as a source of influence. You will make an impact in your generation. Are you with me this morning? But because things are about to change. I believe that. Things are about to change. Things are about to get clearer for you. He's about to elevate you in your industry. Your impact is about to be felt like never before. Let me speak like I'm from the streets. Somebody is about to blow. Somebody is about to, 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 to really take off. You think that the things you have been through, the enemy, through all kinds of challenges at you this week, all kinds of things at your business, at your mind, but he has failed because as you, are, as you, as you, you, you reaffirm your, com your commitment to Jesus Christ, watch the Lord throw you up. Watch him fling you to places you only ever dreamt about. I need you to expand the way you think because as you change your mind and begin to reaffirm that Jesus, it is you that I am committed to. Watch him influence. God wants to use you to influence your world more than you want to influence your world. So the moment you agree with what he's saying and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to the best of my ability. I yield to you. Some of you are about to see things change. 
decay is about to leave your marriage. The moment you stop fighting this marriage and say, Lord, I surrender this issue. I commit this matter to you. Watch the Lord breathe fresh life into your marriage. Your finances are about to take a turn because you, for the first time, you're going to say, Lord Jesus, you are my source and I yield this and your influence is about to increase. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. He is about to increase you in this life. This is why he is coming to you with this message asking you, hey, dig deeper. He's asking you dig deeper. Um, cutting off some ways of thinking. It's not been pretty because of where he's taking you, what he wants to produce. I truly believe that your life is about to take a different turn for good. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Now, we talked about this next one. We talked about, I think there's a cup of water. That, could you just help me with that, that water? Thank you so much. Um, we talked about this next one. So what we're looking at is the power of influence. Thank you, sir. We're looking at the power of influence. So, so last week, we, we, all, we, we, we touched on this part. We, we touched on this part. Um, and, um, and, and I want to look at it again because I'm looking at fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Okay, we look briefly at this, but I believe it is, it is a key reason why Jesus calls us out of the crowd. He calls us out of the crowd because he wants to increase our fruitfulness. Commitment contains, or let me put it this way, commitment generates the power to make you fruitful. Okay? Commitment generates the power to make you fruitful. There is no fruitfulness, listen carefully, there is no fruitfulness without commit, commitment, both in the natural and in the spiritual. Fruit doesn't just happen anywhere. Fruit doesn't just happen. If the seed is not committed to being planted, it will never be fruitful. Now, Grace is, even in the dispensation of grace, God does not do away with the need to be committed. Grace never exempts anyone from the process. Grace only equips you in the process. Okay? Faith is committing to the process because you believe that the grace of God is for you. That's what faith looks like. Faith is not exemption from the process. You are always going to be processed. And the process of producing fruit is always commitment. A seed would need to be committed to the soil. The tree would need to be planted in the soil and not move every day if it is to bear fruit. Okay? So, 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 so God is, is looking to produce fruit in your life. Look at the book of John. John chapter 15 verse 8 says, this is to my Father's glory. John 15 verse 8. Now I encourage you, go read the whole book of John. John 15 particularly. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Okay? Showing yourself to be my disciples. Here is how we glorify God. We glorify God by bearing fruit. Are you listening to me, church? Hello, Christian. Are we listening? We glorify God by bearing fruit. 
it is our fruit that shows us to be disciples. Everyone say fruit. Come on, type it in the comment section. Say fruit. The guys in here are not sure if they should say anything or not. But type it in the comment section. Say type fruit. Because we are born to bear fruit. The will of God, the reason, one of the key reasons, I talk about influence. Uh, by the way, all of these are kind of connected. But Jesus calls us out of the crowd. And in, in verse 16, he goes on to say, you did not choose me, I chose you and I appointed you. John 15, 16, he says, I, you, you did not choose me, I chose you and I appointed you. Why? So that you might go and bear fruit. Okay, God calls us as disciples to bear fruit. It is not your tongues, your memory of scripture. It is not your tweet. It is not how many hours you log at church. It is not how many notes you take. It is fruit that we are after. Okay, and so what we are really looking, what God is looking to do, and what I'm challenging us to look for is fruit. Don't settle for, for a Christian t-shirt. Don't settle for just reading your Bible. Are you listening to me? Don't settle for, for, for just hearing a great message. What we are after is fruit. Don't settle for feeling good or feeling positive or feeling hopeful. That's not enough. That's a good start. But what we are called to is to bear fruit. My faith is that we will be those people who know our calling and we understand that the will of God is that we bear fruit. It is fruit that you are designed to bear. And Jesus said that, that, that he chose us and he appointed us so that we might bear fruit. And then in verse 16, he goes on to say, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask, the kind of fruit that puts you in this place, that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. We love that last part. But the thing that really makes it, you know, fruitful, that, that, that puts us in that place where whatever we ask the Lord is giving us is our commitment. Don't settle for plastic fruit. Okay. I'll look, at, I'll look at this as we go along because what you're committed to will determine whether or not you gather fruit. We'll look at it as we go along. Let's go for real fruit. It is impossible to bear fruit um, that Jesus wants you to bear without a commitment to him or in this day and age a commitment to his spirit. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Are you with me this morning? Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, C, uh, 20, 20 C, 22. Galatians 5, verse 22. Let's look at some of the, what this fruit looks like. Galatians 5, 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And this last line is so profound. He says, against these, there is no law. Glory be to God. These are the kinds of fruit that the Spirit of Christ can cause you to produce. Now, these are not just fruits that make you a nice person. Please listen to what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture says, 
if you are if you bear these fruits against these against these fruits there is no law law speaks of limitation law speaks of of yeah primarily limitations and being dictated how far you can go and what on what you qualify for what you don't qualify for but what the spirit of god does in you and i he produces the fruit of love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control and listen, if you find a person who is operating in the fullness of these fruits, you have found a person without limitations in life. This is what the fruit can produce. These fruits are real. It's not just, um, you know, sometimes we read, we, we read about these things and we think about it as just being, just, just, just being, at least I do, just based on how for a long time I was taught, taught about the fruit of the spirits growing up. It feels like when you hear about the fruit of the spirit, you feels like you are hearing about how the Holy Spirit makes you nice. And all of these things are true. You know, it just makes you a nice person. But it is much deeper than that. Love is much, much, be, much deeper than just niceness, joy, peace, long-suffering. These are things that give you equity in life. This kind of fruit. Show me a person who is bearing these kinds of fruit. And I'll show you a wealthy person. I'll show you a person whose relationship is working. I'll show you a person who is bold. I'll show you a person who is wealthy with money or without money. I'll show you a person who has real equity in life. I'll show you a person who has influence. A person who operates in the fullness of these fruits. And this is what the Spirit of God produces in our lives. And verse 24 says, and those who are Christ, that's you and that's me. He says, we have crucified the flesh with its passions. And verse 25 says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. In essence, what Paul is saying here is that we produce these fruits by living in the spirit. We produce these fruits, let me put it in the context of our conversation. You don't live anywhere that you're not committed to, okay? And so we, we produce these fruits by our commitment to the Spirit. Let me use a practical example. Imagine that you have a situation at work. You've been wound up where today is Sunday. Imagine on Friday there was a situation at work, a colleague who... <laughs> Who, who you feel was sent by Satan to buffet you. According to Paul, a thorn in your, in your flesh. And so you, you, you managed to come away from work just, just, you know, wound up and, and you've managed to relax. But now you're thinking about Monday and you are thinking about going back to this work, to this work situation. There are two ways you're going to go back. You're going to go back either in your flesh or go, you're going to go back walking in the spirit. And where, even though you are born again, heaven bound, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Tomorrow, the fruit you will bear at that workplace will be directly related to who you commit to tonight. When you wake up in the morning, it is who you commit to. Who are you going to commit your mind to? That's what will determine whether or not you will bear that fruit. And this is the challenge of living. It is a challenge of, of that, that constant commitment to Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying that we produce these fruits 
by our commitment to the spirit of Jesus Christ uh, as opposed to our commitment to our passions and our desires. And what you really want to do when you show up at work, you know what you want to say. You want to expose them. You want to punch them. You want to do all kinds of things. Those are your passions and desires speaking. But it is your commitment to the spirit of God. Your commitment, not even... Not even your commitment to fruit, your commitment to the Spirit of God. Are you listening to me? Fruitfulness always requires a process. And our job in this process is to submit to the Holy, surrender to the Holy Spirit, surrender to the Spirit of Jesus, commit to the Spirit of Jesus, and listen carefully, He is the one who, who, who helps you bear fruit. Okay? Remember what we are saying. The call, listen carefully, I'm not asking you to commit to bearing fruit. I'm asking you to commit to the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to commit to Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to reaffirm and, and, and always work on just this place of surrender. That's what faith looks like. Surrendering to Him, it is the commitment to the Spirit of God. And it is the Spirit of God that causes you to bear fruit. Okay, the, the, the branch on the tree never needs to worry about bearing fruit. Okay, the branch on the tree is never sitting down, wonder where the, where the fruit is going to come. All the branch needs to think about, and that's what Jesus was saying in John 15, is, all, is just the branch's connectedness to the vine. All, all I am interested in is staying vitally connected to the one that I am committed to. And that's, that's how we bear fruit. If you, if you are more committed to bearing fruit than you are to Jesus or to the Holy Ghost, you will settle for plastic fruit. Let me drink water on that one. Did you hear me? The call is to be committed to Jesus, to be committed to his spirit. But if you are more committed to bearing fruit... You will produce, and that's why at church, for instance, sometimes, because we are more committed to what it looks like. We're more committed to the fruit. Your daughter gets pregnant, so you throw her out of your house so that you look like you are bearing fruit of self-control when the reality is you have just disconnected your daughter from the source of love that she was supposed to have. Okay, and by the way, you kept your son at home. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Uh, and, and, and this is the challenge. If you, are, if you are more committed to the fruit than you are to the one who, to the, to the vine, you will create fruit yourself. And that's not what we want. We want the fruit of the spirit. You don't want the fruit of Cheeto. Okay? The fruit of Cheeto is tainted by my experience. It is tainted by my limited revelation. But if I am, you know, have you, ever, have you ever done something that you didn't even think about and somebody was so moved to tears because of what you have done for them? It is because you were just acting on what you believe the Spirit of God is leading you to do, but you, you didn't know how impactful that would be. That's how the Spirit produces in us. Are you listening to me? He produces powerfully in us. Because if you are connected to the vine, you might have strange seasons. You might have seasons that look like, you know, it's not happening. Where it seems nothing is happening. But if you are committed to the vine, you will bear fruit. I was, I was reading a story recently. 
about the Wright brothers. You know the Wright brothers who came up with the airplane. Um, around the time when the Wright brothers were, were, um, were trying to come out with a way to for, for, for us to start to fly, there was also another person, another scientist called Samuel Langley. Now, Samuel Langley had backing. He had funding. He had, um, he had publicity. Um, he was a known scientist. He was a well-established scientist in his time, and, and the press followed him around as he tried to invent an aeroplane. Uh, and, 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 and at the same time, the Wright brothers, who were pretty much unknown, apart from in their small town, they were working out of their bicycle shed in order to create the same thing. But what happens is, is later on we find that it is the Wright brothers. It is not the man who had all the backing, the man who had the publicity that produced it, that produced or invented the, the way that we can fly. It is the Wright brothers in their bicycle shop that ended up doing this. And, and commentators say that the key reason, the key difference between the two of them was that Samuel Langley, or yeah, Samuel Langley, was more committed to becoming an Einstein. He was more committed to his name going in the history books. He wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted, he was committed to the wrong thing. And so he got stuck in little things because he was always looking to achieve a certain level. But these Wright brothers were not looking to make a name for themselves. They were committed to creating a flying machine. And that is what they created. Because your level of, you know, the thing you commit to is very important. Can I preach for a moment? I want to encourage someone here. It looks like after all these years of being connected, nothing seems to be happening. The word of God to you today is that as you stay committed to him, your commitment will not be in vain. Any person who puts their trust in him, Psalm 25 verse 3 says, that no one whose trust is in him will ever be put to shame. I want to let you know that as you are firm and say, Lord, it is you that I am committed to. It is you that I give my attention to. It is you that called me into this job. It is you that I am working this job for. It is you that I am building this business for. It is you that I am committed to. It is your will, not my will, that I am after. The more you can check and reevaluate and count the cost and realize that it is the Lord Jesus you are coming to, then I need you to know that you will never lack. God is with you, regardless of what it looks like. It looks like you might not have the backing. It might look like you don't have the funding, but you are committed to the right person. You are committed to the one who can bear fruit in your life. Amen? You are committed to him. So the one you're committed to is not, he, he, he is able. Number three thing, are you still with me this morning? Commitment generates what I'm calling staying power. Staying power. You know, life is so great. Anybody think life is great? Life is great. Life can be absolutely beautiful until it's not. 2020 was your year. It was the year of the six-pack. Anybody, anybody, anybody be there? And then... Auntie Rona showed up, and the government gave us legal authority to stay home, bake cakes, 
and scoff your face. Just kind of, <laughs> the government says, don't go out. Go out once. And, you know, we just went out. It's, it's amazing how people have stopped going for a walk now. <laughs> now. Now that you can. We don't want to go out anymore. But look at this. And so, and so the year was going so well until it wasn't. Life is, it can be so good until it isn't. Faith, Jesus is the sweetest name I know until he's, he, you're, you're calling him in the middle of a storm and he seems like he's sleeping. And he looks like he's not concerned that you're about to drown. Life can be so great until it isn't. Are you listening to me so far? Life is full of these kinds of trials. You know, Mark 4, 35, we see that example of Jesus sleeping in the boat. He just finished preaching an amazing message. And the, the, the storms then set up. And, and you know, the, the, the disciples were feeling great. And then they go to Jesus and the one they were looking to was sleeping. And the scripture says they asked him, did you not, do you not, are you not concerned for our welfare? Are you not concerned that we are about to drown, that, that, that the water is coming in the boat? Because life looks good until it is challenged. Life is great until it is not. But it takes a commitment to have staying power even in the moments where life is not good. 2 Timothy chapter 4 Verse 5, it, um, it, it, says, it says, but but you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. I think one translation says, endure hardship like a soldier. Endure hardship, and it says, do the work of the evangelist and fulfill your ministry. In other words, life can be, ministry is exciting until people start talking about you. Life is great until you face that challenge. And the challenge is whether or not we're going to finish what we started. But it is commitment to the right things that determines. Storms will come. Trials will come. But if you are more committed to a positive outcome than you are to Jesus Christ, are you listening to me? If you are more committed to a positive, if you are more committed to, listen, in Mark chapter 4, I was reading that scripture. The disciples were worried because they were more, they were concerned about the outcome of the situation than they were about, you know, I believe the way God wants us to live is, is, is to go to sleep. If we see Jesus sleeping, we can afford to sleep. I believe that was the message he was trying to give us. But the disciples were more concerned with the outcome of the situation. And so they go to Jesus and start to shout at Jesus, Jesus, do you, are you not going to help me? Amen. The number of times I've seen people walk away from the faith simply because what they prayed for didn't happen. Anybody ever prayed and you decreed and you declared? Don't shout me down. You know it's true. 
You decreed and you declared. You stood on the word. You even took your Bible, put it on the floor. You stood on it. You took the amplified on the right and the, the message on the left. You stood on that word. You sat on the word. You declared and it feels like nothing has happened. What do you do in those days where things don't work out like you do? It takes a commitment to Jesus Christ to believe that if Jesus says, let's go over to the other side, when the storms come, because I am committed to him and he is in the boat, everything is going to be okay. Amen? Everything is going to be okay. Let me encourage someone who is going through a storm right now. <laughs> I want to challenge you. That I want to remind you that your commitment to Jesus is everything. It is the reason why you will win. It is the reason why you will not drown. It is the reason why the will of God will be done in your life. Your commitment to him, he, because you are committed to him, he will silence the storms. He will quieten the waves. At the right time, he will cause you to be victorious. Are you listening to me today? He will cause you to be victorious today because of your commitment to him. It is when we're committed to him, you know, and if you live long enough, you will find, you will really find that, 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 that there are times where it looks like, Lord, I don't even know what you're doing. You know, I pray for A, and, and I didn't even, if I, got, if I got C, you know, I'm looking at my laptop, you know, C and V are next to each other. You know, sometimes you're typing and you're trying to type CV, but somehow you type CB. You can understand when B is right next to V, that's how you made that mistake. But if you typed Y, which is like on the top of the keyboard, you're like, I'm, I was looking for C and V. How did I get there? Anybody ever been like, you are asking for A and B, but somehow you got K. You're like, Lord, it's not even the same. They don't even sound close. And you can be in that place where you kind of feel like, Lord, I have no idea what's going on right now. Where God wants us to be is in this place where we rest. That, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I am with you. Someone say, Lord, I trust you. Come on, say it again. Lord, I am committed to you. This is how we get through. There will be seasons of your life where the only thing you know is that God is with us. There will be seasons of your life that the only confidence that you have is that he said to come down this way. And even if, he may, even if I made a mistake and I heard him right, my only confidence, my greatest confidence, I say only like it is a small thing. No, your greatest confidence is that the one that I am linked to, remember the book of Mark, Mark, um, I think it's Mark 11, we looked at this last week, where, we, where Jesus says, come and I'll, and I'll put my yoke upon you. The reason we can go through life, and we were saying that that, that picture of, of you yoked to Jesus Christ is a picture of what commitment looks like. You can go through anything if you are yoked to Jesus Christ. Because it doesn't matter how it feels. The, the, the psalmist, the psalmist put it this way. I think it's in 2 Samuel. David was, David's song of deliverance is called, I think it's 2 Samuel 22. The, go read the whole chapter. It's such a, such a testimony of the goodness of God. But I woke up this morning and that, that, this particular scripture jumped out at me where David said, with you I can leap over a wall. With you I can run through an army. I can, I can break through. That's what commitment, when a person is committed 
to Jesus Christ. That is why it is worth it. When you are committed to Jesus Christ, when you affirm and say, Lord, it is you that I am after, there is no wall that is enough to keep you out. You will leap over walls. You will run through armies. You will destroy anything in your path. In fact, whilst this anointing is on me here, whilst I am here, I am declaring in the name of Jesus that because of your commitment to Jesus Christ, your faith in this man, Jesus, Christ. I declare breakthrough for you in Jesus' name. I declare that you are stronger than anything that you are facing because his strength is now, is now your strength. I declare in the name of Jesus, walls are falling down. That as you travel because of this, your unseen partner, doors are opening for you. The favor of God is going with you. A courage is rising up in your heart. I declare in the name of Jesus, the hand of God is advancing is increasing in your life. Fear is dissipating in the name of Jesus because you are committed to him. Kings are looking for you in the name of Jesus. And when you stand before kings, he will put in your mouth the right thing to say. He is increasing your creativity. He is sending you favor right now. I declare if anybody is believing for jobs, because you are linked to him and yoked to Jesus Christ. That same grace that is on him is yours. It is flowing through you. Doors are opening. Increase is coming your way. Your influence is increasing in this season. I declare a season of fruitfulness, a season of breakthrough, a season of influence. That for those of you who are going through stuff, I declare in the name of Jesus that you will find the grace to stand even in the midst of your storm. The things you used to run from, you will never run from anymore because your commitment is to the one who keeps you safe and keeps you strong. If you believe that, say amen in the comment section. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for calling us higher. Thank you for increasing our influence in this kingdom. Thank you, Lord. I seek servant kings. I see servant kings who are you know, the people that God, I believe God has called us to raise, these kings that we keep talking about, they are not, not kind of um, uh, just, just half-hearted. They are planted in the house of our Lord. They are rooted in Christ Jesus. Their roots go deep. They're not easily moved. Rumors don't move them. Fear doesn't move them. Trials don't move these kings. They are men and women of God completely sold out who love not their lives unto death. Spirit of God, we open ourselves as we just, as we just recognize that there is no one else but you, O oh God. We open ourselves to all that you bring us, all that you do. I pray for everyone listening. Spirit of God, take these words, cause them to come alive in the hearts of your people. Show them that you with them is greater than anything that is against them. Open their eyes to see that their commitment to you was worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Because there is no better place to be committed to. We love you, Heavenly Father. What an honor to be a part of your family. What an honor, Lord Jesus, to be yoked to you, to be connected to you, this good shepherd. Glory and honor, power and dominion belong unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.